Hello and welcome to Dark Days Radio, episode number 40. I'm, of course, your host, Mike, and tonight I'm joined by Chris. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. And, of course, we've got, returning to the show for the second time, Dave Brookshaw. Hello. Hey. Hey, what's up, Dave? And, of course, tonight we were expecting to have David Hill, but he's feeling a bit under the weather. So, let's all uh, wish him a speedy recovery, and uh, hopefully we'll get him on the show soon. I think he's just researching a projector's book. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just ticked off that uh, I spent all this time studying up on the New World Order uh, regarding Mage of the Ascension, and he's not here. I know. So I'll just uh, save, I'll save my notes, and... Uh, we use them in the future, because that's definitely going to be something really awesome to talk about. Yeah. Cool. So uh, let's just jump on over to the mailbag segment and uh, talk about all the uh, cool feedback we've gotten uh, since Darker Days 39. Tim Moore sent us some cool stuff about the Toynbee tiles. Uh, specifically, he linked us to a documentary. This is actually a really bizarre uh, phenomenon that's been occurring. Start off in Philadelphia, and they were finding these these tiles imprinted into the asphalt of the roads. The tiles would typically say, Toynbee idea in movie 2001, Resurrected Dead on planet Jupiter. Yeah, pretty yeah. funky stuff. <laughs> we'll definitely uh, remember this one, and it may be useful in a future segment for story hooks and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, Chris, you reached out to uh, Eric over at Gamers Table, and uh... Um, yeah, I mean it was through me doing a typical kind of like just searching around, seeing whatever podcasts or what people are doing for uh, World of Darkness stuff, and so they recently did a podcast talking about uh, Werewolf Twenty, obviously, and so um, basically he's looking to be run to, uh, running his own uh, Hunter the Vigil game, and. He's also hoping to address the kind of the way some of his uh, fellow podcasters and thus gamers there don't want to delve into New World's Darkness because shock horror, it's new and scary. So um, I'm hoping, you know, Eric uh, has taken our uh, feedback um, and will get back to us about how his Hunter game gets on because that'd be really cool to hear. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be uh, Hunter the Vigil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and we also got quite a few questions for uh, David Hill and Dave Brookshaw, a mm -hmm. lot of good stuff, which we'll be covering later on in the episode. So thank you, everyone, for uh, sending that stuff in. Rodrigo, who is a White Wolf fan on Twitter, sent us kind yes. of his what-if setting for uh, Vampire the Masquerade, which kind of updates the, the social structure of Vampire the Dark Ages and brings it up to the, the modern nights. And he definitely had the uh, most interesting uh, take on the Cappadocians and the Modern Knights that I've seen, and I might actually want to use that in a game sometime. Basically what he did was he made the Cappadocians not just a clan, but this collection of bloodlines in the Modern Knights, mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was a really cool idea, you know, bringing together the Simidi, the Giovanni, the Cappadocians, uh, and also the Lamians, and making okay. them this, this kind of broader group. Uh, and the reason why the Giovanni were unable to Diablerize all the Cappadocians and destroy them was that the Feast of Folly never happened. Uh, the Feast of Folly was this event in the Cappadocian history where Cappadocius, the antediluvian, uh, mm -hmm. invited all the Cappadocian clan members uh, that were not uh, focused on the, uh, the Road of Bones, uh, brought them all into one location, and then locked them 
uh, essentially in a crypt, uh, kind of reducing the uh, the number of the clan. Uh, pretty cool stuff, and uh, definitely would like to uh, see more on that. What else have we had? We've had more questions via Facebook. Um, so we've had Scott and Paul uh, also give us some questions for David and David Hill. So um, obviously we will be making use of those. Uh, we actually had quite a lot of activity on Facebook recently, um, which is good to see. Yeah, I'm thinking of reaching out onto uh, posting stuff on Tumblr. I think more artwork, because I know on it, Publishing also has a Tumblr for artwork and inspirational things, and it seems like there's a bunch of Changeling the Lost fans out there. So I'm gonna, you know, tap that resource and uh, really, you know, reach out to those people. So um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep, definitely. And then also on our posters page, uh, shoutouts to Ken T, Spiffy Biffy, Malleus, and. Oh, and of course, uh, Lord Treeboy, which has a, uh, that's a pretty crazy name. Uh, Lord Treeboy is um, Chris from my gaming group back in, um, back when I was living in Leamington before I moved over to Germany. If people go and read the actual play stuff for Changeling, that's, um, I think it's either linked on my own posters. He played the character Stitches, who was a, uh, a wizened uh, Chirrigan. Good stuff. And um, uh, let's get some, uh, some news. So, uh, left-handed path is out, or left hand. Sorry, left hand I was just about path. to correct myself on that. <laughs> we, when we wrote it, all the way through writing it, all the way through to sending it the final version of it off and getting paid. It was called Left-Handed Path. Me and Malcolm found out that they changed the name when we first saw the cover. Ah. Uh-huh. So it's it's a very late thing, which is why all the... Um, I actually prefer left-hand. Um, you know, Those two letters, the number of times it's repeated in the book, those two letters might make up a whole page. It's a much better title. Um, but that's why it was Left-Handed Path on the what's going to come from Onyx Path announcements and um, and so on. And then when the book finally came out, the title had changed. And it's it's taking a while for the traction to go in. Uh, yeah. But it's out. It's out. It's and, out. Uh, and it's yeah. excellent. And go buy it. Go, go, go. go everyone it. go buy it. Uh, my yes. reviews are posterous. I've read it pretty much page to page because I read everything I get review copies for. So, um... Yeah, I, I would say I would say it's one of the most essential mage books you can grab hold of because it has that amount of antagonists in there and it really adds to how you can use just general other mages as antagonists, you know, because you know, left hand path doesn't just cover the Tremere and the Scholasti, but it just covers those who go, Screw the rules, I'm not gonna follow them, I'm not gonna follow your concilium. Um and really talks about that, so it's a really great read. Um, and yeah, the Tremere, what bastards! <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Tremere. Yeah. Cool. And of course, uh, the W20 Kickstarter was wildly successful. M20 has been announced, and the Mummy Kickstarter is on the horizon. Yeah, my my uh, piggy bank fund for M20 is starting now. 
So uh, <laughs> I will be buying some ridiculous copy of that when it's uh, when we can actually get the Kickstarter. Uh, do we have a date for when Mummy Kickstarter is expected? I know these are moving things, but uh, is it sometime early? Mummy is cursed. Uh, yeah. Mummy is cursed. Yeah. Oh yeah, Mummy is cursed. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, uh, <laughs> the uh, the Kickstarter should have been live already. They've um, they've already planned out what um, what the tiers were going to be and. Um, Rich said that he was in, he was clearing the Kickstarter plans with Kickstarter themselves a while back on the Monday blogs. Yeah, it, it's just that Mummy has had a hell of a time getting out to print. Mm. It so, seems like a lot of stuff with Onyx Path. It's like, Rich is ready to go. He's like, yeah, let's do this. And then it's like, uh, a little bit of lag time. And then well, it gets it's, out. It, you're just noticing it now. Um, you're, uh, it, it's more obvious with Onyx Path because Rich is a lot more open mm-hmm. about the delays that always used to happen. Um, I mean, there was there was a classic World of Darkness book that um, the guys at White Wolf as was they they had to barricade the uh, uh, the car park with their cars to prevent the FedEx truck from leaving before. Uh, the uh, before the books had come off the press so that they could nice. hand it over. Nice. It's you know put it this way: Would you rather Mummy be four months late, or would you rather it end up um, with uh, editing issues that require it to be reissued later hey, on? Hey, I have no issue like, with yeah. the uh, with the delays. I was just pointing <laughs> so, it out. Just, yeah, just yeah, saying I, what I noticed. I don't want. Well, I don't want to have know, Geist. I'm, I, I'm here ready to start running and podcasting my Mummy Chronicle and uh, every Monday I turn up and I go to my gaming group and they just you know, give me the look and say like, is Mummy out yet? Oh, Mummy is not out yet. So, yeah. Uh, I, I feel everybody's pain. Uh. Uh. Oh well. Um, yeah. It'll turn up when it turns up and it'll be great. I'm it will sure. be awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, when I was writing it, I thought I was thinking to myself, "This is actually my perfect Endwad game. It's uh, the, the, this fits with me. My style of running games far better than Mage does." Even. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's that's interesting to know. Um, yeah. Awesome. So um, yeah, um, it will come out, and uh, no doubt we'll uh, we'll be back. Awesome. Sounds good. And then very important news with the World of Darkness MMO. So WADnews.net reports that the uh, they found out that the World of Darkness game engine has actually split off from the uh, main EVE Incarna engine. Uh, it's now solely being developed by the Atlanta office. So that kind of explains some of the delays that have been occurring with the MMO. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think talking to people that were in the industry that I know, it's... it's um... It's, uh, they say it's an understandable thing because obviously you've got what Incarna did for Eve. You know, you've you met there's limitations, and when you want to start doing things with like people jumping from building to building, you're going to run into these limitations in a base kind of engine, and you're going to have to either start you know grokking it to go beyond the original. So 
you know, again, these things happen, and just be thankful it's still being worked on. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else is out? Um, ooh, God Machine. God Machine uh, uh, Chronicle Anthology, which I've been reading uh, on the bus to work and on the way back. So um, uh, I'm, well, I think I've read the first three stories after the basic fiction that appeared originally in the World of Darkness core book. So, um, uh, yeah, there's some really neat uh, ideas in there. Um, really quite creepy. So I'm looking forward to getting further into that collection. And of course, what's the, well, we've already know, already kind of announced this, don't we, Mike? The last really main part of the news was, uh, of course, Mage 20th anniversary, mm-hmm. which which is nice to hear confirmed. So uh, yeah. Oh, it's gonna be huge. Mm. The internet is going to explode. They really need to uh, find a way to tap into the energy of Mage Flame Wars, and they can just power the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but no, definitely exciting. Um. I contributed or kicked in for the uh, W twenty Kickstarter, and mm-hmm. I was kind of on the uh, on the fence about it. I mean, you can see on Postris, I was like, I don't know, it seems a little pricey. You know, there's a bit of an increase in price over the uh, the V twenty core book, but but with all of the Kickstarter stretch goals and uh, extra rewards, it really became worthwhile. Um, mm. Where we got we got the uh, Wild West update. Uh, I think there's a cookbook that's going to be coming out. Yeah, the cookbook. <laughs> uh, um, no, that's not a joke. No, Stu it's serious. Really writing a cookbook. Uh, Tribe Quite Howler. Yes, yes, that's going to be really thrilling. Yeah. A couple of other things. I, I just like the, the idea. I don't know if they sold enough of them to actually make it happen, but the uh, the heavy metal. Oh, it's coming out. It's happening, yeah. Yep. Uh, it makes me wonder what the hell the stretch goals could even be for Mage 20. I mean... I don't know. I've just have got. To... I have a ridiculous pledge, um, ready to go in for the assembly. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, what I'd like to see for for M twenty for a stretch goal would actually be an update for Dark Ages Mage, because Ooh, that was a super cool book. But I know a lot of people have had issues with the system. I didn't personally when I ran it, but some people have said they have issues, and they kind of pointed them out. And I was like, well. I guess you could have trouble I'm, with that. I know guys who prefer it to Ascensions. They they like Ascensions yes. setting, but they they prefer the Dark Ages Mage. Um, uh, what are the the pillars and foundation? Pillars, pillars, yep. and pillars. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool system because it just integrates the paradigm into your actual like spellcasting mechanics. So it's really intuitive to figure out what you're doing. Uh, the issue is that it also becomes kind of limiting because of that because the uh, the pillars are rather finite in what they can do. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think there'd be room for it in um, in M twenty. I mean, we'll you know, I I don't know. Um, I'm not Phil, Jess, or um, Bill, but uh, uh, I I don't know what they're intending. But uh, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that some of the if there are any sorcerers crusade only groups, then they'll probably get mentioned. But um, right. yeah, Dark Ages major. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying it would be a great like PDF supplement that uh, would work with it yeah. as a stretch goal. Cool. 
All right, and uh, the other piece of news we have is that, uh, Chris, we finally have uh, an award to give out, or a, a prize. Um, oh, well, sending. I've been sat on it for a while. We've just been waiting for people to want it. <laughs> it's the, um, the haunted uh, anthology of uh, ghost stories that numerous uh, White Wolf writers, Onyx Path writers, have... Um, written short stories for, so there's uh, Jess Hartley and Chuck Windig uh, have written for it, uh, you know, written short stories in there, so um, yeah, we have a copy of that to give away. Yes, and that's going to be going to Martin Krogh, so we'll uh, send you a coupon link uh, via email, and there you go. And we'd also like to mention that uh, we're going to have some more prizes coming up, so uh, as long as you send us some feedback to darkerdaysradio at gmail.com, send us some questions, suggestions, maybe submit something for the Forgotten Lore Mm-hmm. PDF supplement that we put out, a little magazine, you'll be uh, in the running for a prize in the near future. And I think it's important to say that if they want bigger prizes, of course, um, they should, if they buy anything via DriveThruRPG, they should make use of our affiliate ID uh, because that just means we get a bit of gamer credit and we can give out more prizes, um, which is never a bad thing. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, without further ado, I think it's time to move over to the secret frequency. It's under the stairs. <laughs> oh, see. I love my mom. So, Chris, what do you have for us tonight? Oh, tonight. Tonight we have a little thing <laughs> um, which has uh, been given to us by uh, Steve who, that's the same Steve from the uh, Darker Days Darkening on Dark Ages and who's been uh, also co-hosting with me for the uh, Chronicle Design uh, series and he has given us as our secret frequency the city, or ghost city of Fengdu which is located in China um, so, a bit of history of Fengdu Fengdu is located on the Ming Mountain on the northern bank of the Yangtze River uh, in Fengdu County and is known to the Chinese as the Ghost City. It is uh, nearly 2,000 years old and combines the cultures of Confucianism, Taoism and Buddhism and it can, in particular of course focuses on the mystique of ghosts from, all the, uh, from those three um, uh, cultures. Uh, may, uh, many famous literary works like Journey to the West, uh, The Apotheosis of Heroes, and Strange Tales of a Lonely Studio contain references to Fengdu. It got its name as the ghost city in uh, the Eastern Han Dynasty. Two officials from the Imperial Court, Ying Changzheng and Wang Fangping, or Wang Fangping, that's a single word there, uh, decided to come to Ming Mountain to practice Taoist teachings. Through uh, self-cultivation, they became immortals. Combining their surnames produces the term Ying Wang, meaning King of Hell. Uh, later, during the Tang Dynasty, uh, the stupendous temple was erected on Ming Mountain, depicting life in hell. It displays demonic images and torture devices and reflects the notion that good people will be treated well in the afterlife and that bad people will obviously be punished. In the Chinese vision of, hell, of the afterlife, uh, the dead must undergo three major tests to enter the underworld. These tests are taken at three locations. 
Nothing to be done, Bridge, Ghost, tor uh, Ghost Torturing Pass, and the Zhangzi, which is the Son of Heaven Palace. These three locations are major attractions in this uh, ghost city. Um, so, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Nothing to be Done Bridge. This was built during the Ming Dynasty and connects the netherworld to the real world and is a testing point for good and evil. The bridge is composed of three identical stone arches and the middle arch is used for testing people. There are different protocols for crossing the bridge depending upon gender, age and marital status. Um, below the bridge there are square shaped pools of water Virtuous people pass over the bridge without obstacle. Uh, villainous people will obviously fall into the pools below. The Ghost Torturing Pass is the second test to enter the Netherworld. It is said that this is the place where the dead report to the Yama, the King of Hell, for judgment. In front of the uh, structure, there are 18 sculptures depicting ferocious demons. Each of these devils is quite lifelike, according uh, to descriptions of the uh, ghost city. And finally, there is the Zhangzi Palace. Uh, having over 300 years history, the palace covers an area of nearly 2,908 square yards and is composed of a temple gate and the palace itself. The gate is an archway made of wood and is about 33 feet in, uh, in height. Um, it's the, the very center of uh, this entire ghost city that's located and the temple on Ming Mountain. The third taste, uh, test that takes place here is um, if you wish to evade hell, takes place at the large stone in front of the gate. The ghost will stand on the stone on one foot for three minutes. A good person will do this, while a bad person will not, and is sent to hell. Um, one other ghostly attraction in Fendu is the Last Glance at Home Tower. This structure was built in 1985 and commemorates the site where spirits consigned to hell will take one last look at their families. Um, we will also then link in the show notes to the original link we have which has a host of images of the structures that depict uh, scenes from hell and various strange uh, statues and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an entire city devoted to the afterlife of, uh, from Chinese uh, mythology and culture. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, uh, one thing I was thinking about that you could use with uh, the Fengdu Ghost City is obviously, uh, when you have ghosts, when we think about Wraith a little bit, um, one of the uh, interesting things that you didn't bring up in your little article is that they actually have been damming up uh, the uh, Yangtze River uh, in this area, which has caused uh, water levels to rise behind the dam and has cleared out some of the local villages and cities. So, while there may have been a small actual wraith and ghost population at this uh, almost tourist attraction, the uh, recent displacement of uh, living people and also wraiths uh, may cause a steep increase in the uh, local uh, dead population mm. in the Shadowlands. Uh, so you can see a lot of conflict coming from that and may uh, actually be something interesting for hunters to investigate as the the, the tourist attraction actually becomes really haunted um, and people are experiencing many more uh, strange experiences uh, that sort of thing uh, another thing you can think about or is interesting to, to uh, kind of discuss is uh, really the architecture of the place and just how different it is uh, between sort of a, a haunted place in uh, western culture and this very colorful mm. uh, city 
that exists, uh, which is supposed to be haunted in, in Eastern culture. Um, yeah, it, it, I'm not too knowledgeable of, uh, of Chinese architecture, but it really just seems like there's many palaces and, and very colorful statues, which really surprised me. I guess that's something as a relation, you know, it's, it's the whole idea of like offerings to the dead it's themselves. I mean, uh, color can be obviously a representation of like life and vitality. So making the dead, the city of the dead look alive and real would hopefully reflect in the underworld to make it more accommodating to the people who've just died. Um, that's my kind of take on it. Um, mm -hmm. Another very cool thing is that there's this really creepy abandoned hotel on the mountain, which has yeah. a uh, face carved into the, uh, or, or built into the side of the building. Uh, definitely uh, something to investigate. Might make a good haunt for Wraiths again. Uh, yeah, it's just weird. And could be something interesting to uh, just throw into a game just to unsettle players a little bit. Yeah, uh, the fact that the hotel is referred to as the Devil Hotel as well is uh, quite interesting. Um, I mean, the thing is also to think that this this ghost city could have, um, during, say, the height of any of the previous dynasties uh, in China, would have been, may have actually acted as a very gateway to the underworld. And so, you know, many of these bridges or temples, uh, if we think of, like, Geist, maybe, uh, could have been Avernian gates. Uh, allowing people to literally enter the underworld. And also a lot of these statues uh, I could imagine would be uh, a great idea as, um, again, it's less, uh, it's less of a thing um, in modern times, but maybe historically, you know, these statues did come to life as they were um, animated by spirits that were summoned from the underworld. Mm-hmm. I I also, we can't really talk about uh, this city of the dead without really considering uh, the eastern kindred from, uh, you know, the Kaijin. Um, I'm not so hot on uh, that game line, so if anyone's got any ideas of how we could make use of Fengdu with relation to the Kaijin, I'm open to your suggestions, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I think I read Kindred of the East once, maybe. Yeah, I think. Well, we'll leave that one open if people Wait, want to. Wait, no, 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 Chris, I got it. I got it. I got it. Well, one thing you can do with the uh, Eastern Kindred, uh, when many Eastern Kindred start out, they are uh, much more devilish, much more primal. Fengdu City uh, could serve as inspiration for a sort of location where the Quajin keep their oh, yeah, newer, more uh, impure Quajin neonates and keep them there sort of as a. Uh, I don't want to say internment camp. What's uh, what's a good word for this? Training camp. Like it's training a training camp. camp, perhaps. It's essentially it's a, it's a boot camp for yes. for a newly embraced, newly turned or well, they're not embraced. Sorry, that's the wrong term for them. But yeah. Ah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything in relation to other games. I mean, I think this is one of the things. One of the things I find really easy with New World done is obviously, you know, I think pretty much every single. Um, group would have some interest in this city as a gateway or some somewhere to learn something about the dead it, because it, it, it strikes quite a, a different chord compared to say other ancient cultures that were more used to at our end of the world to do with the dead like if you compare these these are literally this this funerary city compared to say you know the pyramids of Giza and you know Egypt, the Egyptian kind of view of the dead um, 
don't know, maybe it might act as a bit of inspiration or something useful for uh, for Mummy when that finally comes out. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. Yeah, we do have a, uh, a distinguished guest here, Dave. So uh, what do you think about Thing Do? Do you have any ideas? Uh, I was tripping on the um, Avernum Gate mm-hmm. uh, idea. The, uh, the fact that most of those bridges to the underworld could actually be bridges to the underworld if you uh, enter them in the right spirit. The I right was going to say, linked to that, I think it acts as a good... Um, it, just looking at the pitch of the city, it maybe acts as a good uh, visual cue for if you wanted to do a domain within the Geist. Yeah. So, and also, some of the statues may make uh, good ideas for Caraboy. Yeah, or Cthonians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, I I can see how it would be useful for Mummy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> but you, you should probably wait for that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you can uh, um, draw the parallels in mind between that kind of thing other than necropoli which may or may not have uh, statues of uh, mythological beings dotted about the place actually yeah um, I, well this is a, something I know from uh, the statues which are occurring um, Egyptian uh, death or, you know in, in Egyptian temples is the is it, I'm thinking of the word is it Ushabti is the yeah. term for, for for those statues and in a game which I know makes use of them, where these Ushabti also come to life, is um, the Tomb King's army in Warhammer Fantasy Battles. So you could kind of take <laughs> that idea. You, you can mirror the same idea that these these statues in Fengdu are literally the Chinese equivalent of Ushabti. Also, if we're talking Edward, I I wonder what the shadow of that place looks like. <laughs> Freaking awful! Um, and all the spirits annoyed yeah. it turned into a into an amusement park. Hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah. How would the spirits relate to? Because I, I imagine the spirits could have been very orderly back during when the the, the city was really in use to represent all this. But in modern times, um, yeah. And the idea that <laughs> the the idea, the idea of like this is an orderly approach to death, uh, kind of ties in with maybe ideas that we'll hear in uh, God Machine Chronicle because the short stories I've been reading are about how things, about order and being part of this clockwork, you know, supernatural entity, or you know things that are playing out, and so maybe this is another cog, you know, a literal. The city is a cog of death. Uh, related to the god, uh, god machine. Okay, uh, Mike, shall we end off with one last secret frequency thing, or shall we keep that one back for another time? Oh, I think we could talk about it. It's uh, definitely funky enough. It's a short one um, that I found. So rumor has it that there was a dragon known as the CI um, that was locked with chains in a well at. I'm going to try and pronounce this right. Bai Jingjiao. Uh, when the Japanese occupied Beijing in 1937, a few of the soldiers pulled at the chains, only to be greeted with yellow liquid, the sound of wind and the smell of the sea. No one has ever pulled the chains all the way. In fact, it is said that the Line 5 subway construction was rerouted around the site 
so as not to disturb the dragon. Hmm. How many different mythological ancient beings do we know that it could possibly be that are sleeping under Beijing? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Weird stuff. Weird stuff. Yeah, I don't like the idea of it being a dragon, though. Let's let's steer away from that. Let's make it something cooler. All right. It could e easily be um, some sort of earthbound spirit uh, for wealthy forsaken. Um, if you really want to go with something kind of crazy, you could maybe draw a parallel from this creature with, I think it's actually just called the worm in the back of Predators. And uh, that worm creature in Predators is uh, um, kind of like infects people and so they kind of act in a very vampiric ghoul kind of manner. So this yellow liquid could, if it gets on people, uh, you know, taint them and, you know, cause foul mutation of them as they become uh, spirit-possessed and claimed. Um, uh, it could also be, a, it could be some sort of, uh, any other kind of earthbound creature. Uh, could it be some Promethean? Could it be underneath there? Could it be some sort of giant Pandoran? Hmm. Um, that would be a huge Pandoran. A huge Pandoran, yeah. Um, I don't even know how you go about making that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, that'd be really <laughs> weird for Promethean. So how? Because because uh, Pandorans are created from the uh, the disquiet effects. So how would a Promethean like create something that huge? Would have to be like the entire entire throng, just all together doing something really messed up in Beijing. <laughs> And that would create just this giant Pandoran. Hmm. Which they chained up, and whenever it's tampered with, leaks this yellow liquid, which could actually be one of the um, the humors. I believe one of the humors oh, yes. is actually be colored yellow. It would be bile. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it actually works better as a Promethean idea. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, Dave, do you have any ideas for uh, this strange creature? Um, Awakening-wise, I would make it one of the bound, one of the um, supernal gods that were not um, that they, they uh, one of the supernal gods that uh, weren't particularly good for humanity as a species, mm. and were uh, imprisoned on Earth by the Exarchs during the. Uh, uh, during Atlantean times and um, the Seers of the Throne are now um, ordered to make sure they don't escape because they would rampage across the world and do variously terrible things. Yeah. Um, it could be in terms of in terms of changeling it could just be a dragon. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, or you know, not just the dragon, but it could be uh, as straight as straightforward as being a massive dragon, um, which has well, been the chained chains up by iron chains or something. To meteoric iron chains. It could it could be a a, a true fay that's been trapped in that form. Um, yeah. Mm. So who trapped it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and why would you want to release it? <laughs> yeah, if you really didn't like Beijing, I guess. Yeah, or you just mm. want to collect yellow liquid. Um, 
Okay, cool. I think that kind of ends the secret frequency. Um, so, shall we move on then, Mike? I think we shall to our interview with the man of curses and arcana, <laughs> Dave Brookshaw. World of Darkness 2.0. <laughs> right. Hello so. again. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I promise um, I'll go on as long this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was an epic podcast, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um So, I think David, you've had quite you've had quite a few books out since we last spoke to you, I think. Um, so that you've worked tired. on. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've had obviously we've said, you know, left hand path is out uh for mage um and you've you uh wrote some of uh, the blood sorcery book for Vampire the Requiem. And, of course, you've been toiling away on the, the accursed book of Mummy. And we have uh, a few questions related to all of these things. Yeah. Is there anything yeah. else I've missed on that list? <laughs> God Machine Anthology. If you've oh, right, yeah. Uh, in, you've read mine. Oh, I, I've mostly not noticed. They don't have your name at the top of the story when I, when I start. So um, which one did you write in that one? Just so uh, I can remember. The first one. The first one. Yeah, The King is Dead. Oh right, yeah, yeah. That's no, that was really creepy and great. That was awesome. Good, yeah. Uh, we've just finished writing the actual God Machine Chronicles. Uh, the book. Ah, so yeah, um, that's gone off to. Uh, yeah, that's being play tested, and it's gone to. Yes, we are actually play testing it, and it's gone off to be developed. But uh, we've uh, we, we've done all the scheduled drafts and I'm really looking forward to it coming out and uh, I'm about to start a couple of other things for uh, Onyx Path which which I can't say unfortunately Hmm. the man of mystery Uh, Dave (laughs) how would you like uh, writing that little short story I think uh, when we interviewed you last you were saying like yeah I really wish we were still doing fiction with White Wolf and yeah. then, of course, we talked to Rich Thomas, and he said, fiction's coming back in a big way, and it has. So, uh, yeah, how was your experience with that? Oh, that was great. Yeah, um, I think I wrote that in uh, about two nights. I um, I was quite ill when I wrote it, actually. <laughs> kind of pushing through. Um, yeah, um, you can... If you know it's me that wrote it, you can tell that it's me that wrote it. If that makes any sense. I, I appear to have a, a fiction style that's um, starting to happen now that I've been contributing more short stories and the, the front opening fictions for books and mm. from the, um, the single pages for chapters and things. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I quite enjoyed doing that one. I uh, I hope people find it suitably creepy. It's um yeah the anthology I think it's going to be it's great because I think um as from what I've already read uh, of the short stories in there um they're all they're all kind of really nice and subtle creepiness and I think will be of a, a benefit for people that would like to run kind of stuff like Hunter and kind of. And for mortal games, and yeah, um, that that's uh, what a mortal a real benefit. World of Darks game. That that's what a mm. mortal world of dance game is meant to be like. Yeah, um, that that kind of low key creepiness. When you start 
loading your uh, your car's trunk with rock salt shotgun shells and uh, bones of blessed saints. That's when you've moved into Hunter the Vigil. But when yeah. you when you buy an Impala, it's time to buy Hunter the Vigil. But <laughs> um, yeah, um, for uh, for for that kind of um, normal person getting in over their head, feeling mm. the. Uh, uh, feeling uh, the strange and uh, maybe catching a glimpse of the gears, then uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's where we're going. And uh, yeah, it's it's just really really good to see the fiction lines come back because you know it um, it means that uh, one day we might see some we might see the Forsaken novel released. Mm. You mean the Forsaken novels? There were two in the works. Now, fun fact, I actually knew about this. What so was there was fully written. Yes, the heart, heart of Rage, I believe it was called, was fully written. Uh, I think it still might be on Amazon, uh, like the pre-orders for it. Um, there was that one, and then also unannounced, Jess Hartley was working on a Werewolf Forsaken novel, which she talked about on the Shadow and Essence chat, uh, way back in like 2005. Wow. Mm. Yeah, fun fact that I remember. I'll have to ask Jess about that. But yeah, um, yeah, we we might see those come out. Um, we, we might see novels for the other games, uh, where they uh, just as the God Machine campaign chronicle book, the um, uh, the the God Machine chronicle book, not campaign book, chronicle book um, terminology, David. The um, just as that's been presaged by the by this anthology. Um, a whole bunch of people have been writing vampire short stories for. Um, oh yeah, the um, uh, the the run up for the uh, the run up for the the next one, the Requiem Chronicle. Yeah, the uh, Strix Chronicle. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be or great. Or whatever Russell ends yeah. up calling it. So speaking about vampires, then um, blood sorcery, then so. There's yeah. been quite a lot of talk about blood sorcery online. Um, so, obviously, I've had a, a dabble with the rules because um, I had a, a good hack of the um, of the cult of Mithras that appeared in the mythologies book and kind of just kind of updated it to make use of the the uh, the themes in yeah. uh, the, the the themes which are used to to. Um, the mechanic which allows you to that does the magic um so uh, kind of um one of the things that people seem to have said is like the blood sorcery rules are quite open to abuse um do you think that's yeah. maybe people getting the wrong end of the stick and missing some subtleties in what you wrote in that book no no i don't think so um it's you know i don't think people have missed subtleties it is what it is it's a um, it's an extremely abbreviated version of mage version yeah. of mage magic system redesigned in order to allow you to invent your own rituals by giving guidelines on um, how many dots you should need in order to invent the uh, uh, in order to cast certain rituals, so all of the rituals from um, 
the dot levels of the themes are designed from the um, are designed from the existing rituals mm-hmm. um, in the Requiem Core Book, Circle of the Crone, and uh, Lankia Sanctum. Yeah. The and uh, so you can um, the idea is that if you want to make a new ritual upon the fly, then you'd be able to um, look at it and say that that your um, uh, your acolyte had uh, enough uh, because your acolyte knew this other ritual, which uh, in the new system is defined as you having this theme at this level, then you can invent other comparable rituals. Um, the the combination of it then being so short in order to fit it into the book like that mm. and um, some of the things that some of the rituals do in even in the core book um, then mean that, I mean, there is a ritual in there that um, I forget which book it's in but it was one of the ones that got used as a as a dot theme. I mean, people online I, I've seen a I've seen people um, say that you know that there is uh, there's the ability to make ranged damage rituals. Mm. Um, there is a ranged damage ritual already in the game line. Um, yeah. It's a um, it's a sanctified miracle. Yeah. Um, that uh, yeah uh, causes damage at range. So yes, um, if you want to make a different ritual that causes damage at range, then you would need uh, then you need to be capable of casting that one and then uh, then invent it. Yeah. Um, yes, it is open to abuse if you uh, uh, if you game it, but you know there there are all uh, there are all manner of um, things in the storytelling system that uh, that are like that. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, you know um, some of the proposed white rooms for it that I've seen are on the level of. Um, you know, uh, in if you go on that level, uh, if yeah. you uh, if you if you go with um, making the game world as it would be if the rules were the physical laws of the game world, uh, then uh, awakening mages would have eliminated all other. Um, in fact, mastergos mages would have eliminated all other supernatural <laughs> beings by the medium of uh, teleporting hand grenades. A long time yes. ago, and uh, yeah, it, uh, it it just doesn't happen. In terms of power level, um, it's actually less. In terms of power level, the um, uh, there was actually a sanctified miracle in the core book, Vampire, that we took out. That we mm. said, uh, if you're using this system, you can't do this anymore. Yeah, I think I yeah, cause <laughs> it, it just got annexed because it just doesn't fit into the themes, and it just seemed yeah. I mean, that's something I had to when I was messing around using the blood sorcery approach to revise the cult of Mithras. It was like, yeah, that one actually has to be a few more dots now, and so you wouldn't learn that one as you go up the ranks of within the cult of Mithras um, society. So. That one was uh, written out because uh, one of my instructions, um, Russell gave me in the outline what the themes were mm-hmm. and the the list of exceptions. Yes. You know, the, uh, the the list of 
blood magic can't do this. Uh, to which when I then went away and um, like um, noted all of the uh, all, all of the extant rituals, said that yeah, you know there's this sanctified miracle which causes somebody's body to explode into sunlight and fire if they cross the <laughs> uh, if they cross the priest. Yeah, sure, write that out. So, yeah, um, Russell has a game plan. Um, yeah. Vamp. Uh, Vampire has a line developer. Um, Russell knows what. Uh, um, future books are going to be and um, bear in mind that uh, every single discipline is in the process of being rewritten mm. at the moment so in terms of power balance um, it is in a di- different situation now than it will be this time next year wow and um, I think also another thing which you know people have obviously screamed bloody murder about is the fact that oh boohoo, the Circle of the Crone and Lanco Sanctum now have these free form magic rules and it's not fair because I'm playing Ordo Dracul or Carthians or Invictus and again I think that comes from a very I think in my opinion that's that's again that's the, those those reactions are if you're playing it in it you're you're gaming the system because obviously you know. Blood sorcery means squat. If you've you you're going to get all your power your you know, your gas supply cut off or 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 your your entire haven gets demolished or something. You know. Plus, as soon as any notable vampire, you know, as soon as anybody that has any friends, even to the level yes. of vampires have friends, spontaneously combusts somewhere deep in their haven or um, yes. has their vitae poisoned from afar in a locked room with no obvious culprits, they're going to lynch the blood sorcerer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Which is cool. why in Mage Masticus don't go around hand grenade porting people because no. it's obvious that it's them. It's a really stupid thing to do. But, yeah. Um So yeah. Uh it <sighs> I use it to uh I, I use it as a elaborate and um, sometimes on the fly and as on the fly as it can be if you're a, if you're a Lankia Sanctum person you can't mm-hmm. really decide like in combat round in round one of combat you can't decide I'm going to miracle this guy's ass and then um, just up and do it because the sacrifice has to be unique appropriate yeah yeah, um, yeah, and that's what I mean about those those little. It's those little things like you know you have to have the appropriate sacrifices or like the line of like you you can't just make any old you know blood sorcery spell without the appropriate knowledge to back it up. So if you know the right rituals beforehand and you go, well, I know that one, I know that one. So if I did this and this based upon those, then you've got a new ritual. You just can't fabricate something out of nothing without any. Mm-hmm basis and i think it's those which could be seen as purely story uh limitations well they're 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 valid limitations they're what push you to play your character in a particular way so they go off and go well if i want to do this i need to learn a ritual like this and i need to therefore study under a blood sorcerer that knows that ritual well that's what Um, your theme dots are yeah exactly yeah broadly that's what your theme dots are broadly of course, the the core mechanic of the uh, of ritual disciplines, the actual discipline, had to mm-hmm. remain the same as it is in the core book. Who knows if battle stays the same? Yeah, yeah. Ah. Um, another thing I was going to say: Did you make mention that you've actually gone through 
quite a number of the um, the, the the blood sorcery rituals in in numerous of the vampire sorcerers and re revise them with the new blood sorcery themes. All of them. All you've done, all of them. Will we ever see them reach the light of day? Well, light of day. Was uh, I I went through, like I say, when I uh, when I got the gig and Russell told me what the themes were, I. I went through every ritual that had been published, figured out what its theme dots should be, or even if it should exist, and um, did it that way. Uh, only Kruak and um, uh, only Kruak and theme and sorcery. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah, go sure. into the others. I'd quite like to do Lithopedia because you know I invented Lithopedia, but um, hmm. so it, it would be a thing. But I think I published. Somebody asked me um, uh, back just after the book had come out. I did post up all the Kruak conversions from Circle of the Chrome. Ah, okay. Yeah, that would uh, be really cool. So. Yeah, because you know the uh, the bit in the book where it goes through all the the rituals and miracles, the rites and miracles from the mm. um, from the core book. Yeah, uh, I I do have them for the two Chronicle books. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's maybe a good, uh, uh, interesting here as well is how the blood sorcery rules then work in relation to the circle of the crone and say dealing with spirits. Because is there any guidelines on how that all meshes together? There's certain limitations on what blood sorcery can and cannot influence. And yeah. so yeah, you can't go into works, the shadow with it. You can't go into the shadow, but you can still happily summon things from the shadow with. Blood well, if you've uh, if you've if you're using that version, I mean, yeah. the the shadow does not necessarily exist in Vampire the Requiem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you um, use a creation, if you use a creation right and you make a, um, a big shadowy, um, make a big wolf-shaped shadowy monster that um, follows you around and does your bidding. I mean, you know, is that a spirit? Uh, okay, yeah, I get you. Cool. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah, uh, here we go. Okay, right, so, uh, very rapid fire. Uh, confidence in adversity, transmutation one. Drops of destiny, divination one. Fires of inspiration, transmutation one, if it's just a plus two. Technically, it would be transformation three, which would mean it was much more powerful. Um, because the uh, the way the fires of inspiration um, write in the Circle of the Crane book works, it, um, it should really be transformation three, which, and it would be more powerful than it is in the book. So, Taste of Knowledge, Divination 1, really easy. Uh, Visage of the Crone, it has actually gone up a dot. It's one dot in the book, but it should be Transformation 2 in the new system. Sorry. Maiden Skin, Protection 2. Uh, Path of Thorns, Creation 2, Destruction 1. Soul's Work, Transmutation 2. Succulent Buboes, Transmutation 1. That one's actually gone down a dot. There you go. Uh, Wisdom of the Soul, Divination 1 and transmutation depending on what the benefit of the vision is uh, two if you want nine again uh, beloved deodand is a bit of a strange one it's creation for transmutation one because there's a miracle in the uh, there's a right sorry in blood sorcery which does exactly the same thing but can be used at range but doesn't work on vampires so mm. yeah uh, final service of the slave is transportation three. Rain is creation three. 
Taste of Destiny's Divination 3, Tiamat's Offspring's Creation 3. Um, Eye of the Norn is Divination 4, and um, I actually used it, uh, I snuck it in and used it as one of the examples for what the dot levels of Divination should be. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, Font of Wisdom is Transmutation 4, Mask of Blood's Transmutation 4. Sacrifice of Odin ought to be a Threadony. Mm. Threnody, however you pronounce it. A Child Threnody, from the Stones yeah. is uh, Creation 5. As one is Creation 5 plus themes, depending on what your sub-effect is, and they ought to be obvious. Crone's Renewal ought to be a Threnody, and Roving Hut is probably joining that that sanctified miracle in six-dot land. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they... It should be really easy to convert the existing... Um, uh, convert existing rites and miracles and um, examples of other stranger blood sorceries like Gilded Cage and um, mm. Lethopedia and such. It, it ought to be... I mean, the themes are fairly broad and you ought to be able to see where you should pin things. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, uh, as for spirits, yes, you can't go into the shadow using um, the, the sorcery uh, there, but... Um, it's never been entirely clear if the spirits that Circle Crone deals with are from the Shadow or uh, something else entirely. Mmm, okay. The Strix aren't from the Shadow. <laughs> okay. Cool. Dave and Chris, do you feel there's any merit to uh, kind of mixing the original ritual-based uh, and, and dot-based um, like Theban sorcery and Kruak with the newer blood sorcery, maybe giving the rituals to more laymen and then having higher level uh, vampires in, in, say, the uh, Lycaeus Sanctum having the actual blood sorcery. Do you think that's uh, something to do in uh, in your chronicles? Ooh. Mm. So, like, um, giving, letting people, uh, letting vampires buy the learned ritual of keeping the bloods, the full blood sorcery system for mem- high up members of the cro- of the covenants. Exactly. That that could be really cool. Yeah. One of the things that I was always that I was kind of bummed out about when Mage of the Awakening was first released was um, I wanted sleepwalkers to be able to learn ropes. Ah yeah yeah mm, okay. If they uh, if they were taught them by a mage. By a rote as a merit, by a single rote as a merit. So um, kind of, um, kind of like in um, Second Sight, then, because they're all merits in there, aren't they? Any of their spells, I think yeah. so. Right. Yeah. So yeah, no, uh, yeah, definitely, that could really work. Actually, um, your your low end people, your uh, your status one acolytes and sanctified could be taught individual um, miracles but not and they could be taught individual rights and miracles but not given access to uh, you know not given the proper training that they need to be able to invent their own mm. yep precisely precisely yeah i think it could be a cool idea um and actually what you brought up about uh, teaching sleepwalkers roads that's pretty cool i wonder if uh, in old world of darkness if they had anything about uh sorcerers being able to learn rotes or, or something like that. 
because there was of course the, oh. the hedge magicians with their static magic, and then you had the true magicians. Yeah. But their magic uh, was supposed to work differently. Like they were, like the sorcerers did. Uh, they kind of found like loopholes in reality, basically, which they could just keep doing to to cast a spell. Yeah, and the rules for linear mages changed between yeah. second edition and revised because it was a World of Darkness core. What mm. would now be a blue book, you know, it, it was a, it was just a a any game source book. It's just called World of Darkness Sorcerer. But then in the revised era, um, it was a mage supplement. Quite good mage supplement, if I remember correctly. But um, linear mages were never really used as much in uh, Ascension as they maybe should have been. And, you know, um, because they were limited to the one book. But um, Awakening has just the same problem in that, you know, Proximi are nowhere near as important in the books as they should be. Hmm. Just as a uh, a consequence of the way the games are published. Yeah, maybe you should do something about that. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. I know what I'd call the uh, the mage book. I won't say. <laughs> I, I know what I'd call it. I have an outline <sighs> for it. <laughs> I think yeah. that brings us naturally on to... Uh... Left-hand path, then. Uh, mm-hmm. If we're going to be talking about mage, um, wow! That's all I can say about that book. Wow, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there to 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 use, and I think I'm I'm slowly. Someone asked me like, what would be the best few books to have for mage if you for Mage of the Awakening to run it? And I was like, well, I think that one, and I think Summoners, and. Book of Spirits and maybe the like, and I think uh, one or two others, but Left Hand Path is definitely in that list of must-have buys for Mage now. Um, motives for bad mages. Yes, motives mm-hmm. for bad mages and stories about bad mages and why they become ma- uh, bad or mad or truly dangerous. Dangerous to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Left Hand Path was um, early this year after Imperial Mysteries come out. Um, Malcolm and I were asked, you know, um, "Do you have any further ideas?" Just by chance, we had a full outline um, ready to go, which we'd been kicking about for about a month, um, and um, it was probably the uh, the, the the fastest acceptance of a book that I've ever seen <laughs> and uh, yeah, it it wasn't really a, a smooth uh, ride writing it, various family troubles uh, laid it a bit because uh, it was meant to come out on Halloween and it came out mid-November yeah now? yeah um, but um, yeah um just all manner of things that were missing from the game line so far, like um, the uh, the Tremere were a joke that nobody used compared to the uh, the emphasis that Pulpit puts on them, um, because you know their their attainments were useless, and um, the being a Tremere was a chump's game compared to uh, all the other 
horrible forms of immortality that were dotted around the order books and things. Like um, my personal favourite, the good old steel body rope from Free, from free Council. Um, hmm. The um, uh, the Mad had never been mentioned since the core book. They'd just yeah. gone. They're, they were Awakening's version of the Zigraugla, you know? They, uh, they uh, th- that's one for the old school mates, the Ascension fans, uh, the Zigraugla. But, um, yeah, uh, the, the Mad had never been used. They, um, uh, they were end mages, they were new mages, marauders, and they got completely dropped in the game line. Um, the Celesti kind of needed a look at them. Uh, they'd had a bit of Tome of the Mysteries, just like our mages have had a bit of Tome of the Mysteries. In fact, I think mm-hmm. it was in the same chapter. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, one of the things that uh, people kept on asking for was a look at um, mages that weren't in the Orders. So, like, uh, yeah. what happened to the barbarian mages that uh, then became the nameless orders? So, yeah. uh, did everybody really join the free council? And um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, we didn't think that there was ever likely to be an, a, a full-sized apostate book. So we thought we'd stick them in as a, a yeah, we thought we'd stick them in as a chapter, and that ended up being the most fun one to write. Mm. Everybody has their own personal favourites. You know, the uh, the Tremere quarter of the book seems to be going down really well. Oh yeah, there's like so much just crazy plot hooks in there galore. It's it's great. Um Yeah. I think um the Apostates and Heretics one is my favourite. I think the Celestia chapter is Malcolm's favourite. Mm. Um Matt McFarlane really liked the Mad. He started using a uh, a mad a mad mage as the antagonist in one. I think the games. um the the mad in Mage of the Awakening really to me it had more of an impact than say when you re- read about the mad in um the Marauders in uh, Mage of the Ascension. I think I think the the mad in Awakening that that section just was really strong and really gave you a good impression of what it means to be. The, these insane mages and and really why they're insane like it's not something that can be just treated with you know a bit of uh, a few drugs and someone someone listening to your issues about your mother and um and your father it's more like it's um it's it really did read really well and um again it's like i'm i'm currently trying to finish writing um my mage setting up uh, for Manchester so it goes side by side with my vampire stuff and so obviously I'm now going back through everything I've written and gone yeah I think I could fit a Scholesti in there now I know a lot more about how they work and I think that could be a mad person yeah and just kind of retconning a few things and putting it in there Um, the problem I always had with the Marauders was that they were funny yeah yeah I think that's that's a big issue they were always kind of a bit some of the um, there were a couple of horrific marauders, but yeah. um, like some of the sample marauders were, were really quite horrible. Um, what had happened to them? But um, yeah, um, a, a lot of a, most the majority of marauders were amusing. 
oh, and from uh, from Secret Agent John Courage um, on down. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, some of the attainments on the Scholesti as well. I was just like reading through and was like, oh, that's horrible. Uh, the whole <laughs> mi- mitigating paradox and just really, you know, going, I don't want this paradox. I think I'll give it to you. Yes, you can have it. Um, and, and and of course, I think it really it, it was. It shows how important that that chapter was to have in there, because obviously it then can make use of the things referenced in Summoners to do with the Gold Moth and, uh, yes. and abyssal entities, and so it really kind of bookended and updated the Scholesti into a really truly usable bunch yeah. of bad guys. Because now you haven't just got just the Scholesti; you've got everything that counts as these abyssal worshipping foul mages the the celesti chapter was you know i don't know how malcolm did it mate drawing it together from so many different places but i mean the um uh, the different ways of bef- of tainting your spells from term of the mm. mystery uh the different classifications of abyssal creatures are from um summoners and imperial mysteries mm-hmm. stuck together um, and um, the old man is from Astral Realms. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I love the old man. I'm actually reading Astral Realms right now because I've never got around to reading it. So I was like, I read Left Hand pa- Left Hand Path, and I was like, shit, I need to read Astral Realms now. Um, and you, also, you get the um, you get reference to uh, the Prince of a Thousand Leaves as well. So he's all he gets a he gets a shout out. He hasn't been around since. Um, Boston unveiled, so it was cool to see him in there. Yeah. Oh, it was very short, but it was talking about um, the type of abyssal entities that are that are that actually have names and are known about. And so, what's your um, what would you say is your favourite um, legacy introduced in that book? So there's there's a few at the back, which. Uh, um, different, and there's a few throughout the book, so it doesn't even have to be one that's got full attainments for it. One that was merely mentioned, or, or maybe one that you want to write that was had a short sentence and deserves more. Uh, the, I think the Tamers of Blood um, deserve to have a full write-up soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they were uh, they were mentioned in Legacies of the Ancient. Uh, they they've had their attainment described, but um, wasn't room to do another full page. Um, there wasn't room to do another full legacy spread, which um, which is unfortunate. I quite wanted to do them because they're they're not technically left-handed. They they might be left-handed. It's um, they're uh, they're tittering on the knife's edge. You know they mm. uh, uh, they invented their attainments to achieve a specific goal. It's just that if you were of low moral standards, you could also use their attainments to do to royally screw with mage society as a whole. Brilliant. So um, everybody else looks at them kind of funny, and they're they're not. Allowed him to play in the free council like the other elemental tamers. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I always thought that they should get a proper write up 
Um, I really like Cloud Infinite as well. Um, mm. The first left-handed legacy for the Free Council, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, they're great. Just the idea behind them is great. The um, using other people as parallel processes in order to free up <laughs> your own mental time. It's, I can really appreciate that from my line of actual real world work. I can <laughs> yeah. totally appreciate that. It's like, yes. It, it, I mean, because I've always been really big with like, you know, I, I when I played Mage the Essential when I ran it and when I played in it, um, virtual adepts were my thing. And so when Mage the Awakening came out, I think, Mike, um, I think on Shadow and Essence, if you check the date, if you if you do the search for zero coders, they're pretty much written up. I think I wrote them up in a, a month or two after Mage came out, and they were my stab at doing Virtual Adepts as a free council legacy. And so, yeah, to see Cloud Infinite is like the the, the almost like pre, for me the, the the complete dark side of 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 what I like about Virtual Adepts. Um, awesome. <laughs> Um, Mike, shall we go through the questions that we've been sent in? I think we should. I've said too much stuff. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> uh, let's start off with the uh, the first question, and uh, we're going to be changing this a tad bit, unless uh, Dave is feeling ex- exceptionally brave. Um, so Ken asks, uh, originally he asked, uh, how do you make the technocracy scary? Uh, when in the last 10 years uh, in the post 9-11 society the New World Order has basically won with all of their uh, uh, increased security uh, lots of closed circuit televisions and that sort of thing um, so Dave you can feel free to answer that or um, how do you feel in Mage the Awakening uh, ha- how has the uh, Free Council reacted to uh, many of their uh, innovations and that sort of thing being taken and uh, used for, uh, used against the sleepers, really. Uh, I imagine the uh, the free council's reaction is about the same as the virtual adepts' reaction would be in um, uh, in ascension. And bear in mind that um, from um, the from the new world order's point of view, um, they have totally won. Um, although I don't think they'd be quite so happy about uh, all of the uh, religious extremism that's been going on, mm. as, as you maybe might think they would be. Um, they're, uh, I think they'd be really quite happy with um, uh, all the uh, all the blaming of the other that um, that's gone on in um, Western society. Uh, people turning on um, people turning on minorities and uh, convincing themselves that um, uh, their own culture is just fine. Uh, it's all of these other people who uh, hate our freedom that uh, that need to die by drone strike. Is um, you know, it's it's a very new world order thing. And um, but other things, you know. Like, uh, are they really winning with the internet, or, or are they yeah. fighting desperate rearguard action against the virtual adepts? 
I imagine that. It's going to be really interesting to see that section written for Mage 20 because the whatever the the state of the um, digital web is, it's. I imagine it's turned into some... I, my vision of it would be it's some massive kind of ongoing giant war game almost because cat there's ma- cat there's m- everywhere <laughs> cat pictures <laughs> everywhere yes <laughs> literally yeah you can all oh well wow, that's a, such a crazy image just had it's a virtual adept needing to put up a defensive uh a defensive ice not an ice uh, a firewall or something up against an nwo agent and it just takes the form of a giant cat picture and it's that's his giant shield in the digital web <laughs> um yeah. Master, we need to get five cabals together. They're preparing to annex Tumblr. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, the technocracy must. L- Zuckerberg is in the NWO's pocket. Yeah. yeah. Or Google Plus. <laughs> any of social networks. Yeah, NWO's thing. I mean, the NWO must really love the United uh, United Kingdom as well. Like per head, you know, the amount of CCTV cameras is ridiculous, mm-hmm. and they mostly love the great, the the Chinese great firewall. So, um, or they may hate it. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a good section. Yeah. In terms of uh, in terms of awakening, the uh, the free council aren't really the um, the free council are the champions of the uh, the internet and such, but only as part of their role as uh, the the mage champions of all sleeper culture and yeah. advanced. Um, while uh, uh, the other parts of that battle line are the uh, the two seer ministries who are thorns in their side, well three if you count Mammon. Um, you've got mm-hmm. uh, Panopticon, who are the um, uh, the servants of the Exarch of Space, who um, yeah. uh, want to keep the uh, human population of the world imprisoned within their own minds and um, distracted from awakening by the fear that they are being watched mm-hmm. so um, Panopticon doesn't necessarily work on act- on actually um, surveying people but on um, uh, just on the, the idea that people um, uh, you know the, uh, the, the paranoid idea that you can't do something because other people will see you do it and that's what Panopticon are trying to in gender, uh, and um, they are in the ascendancy. You know, Panopticon have come up out of nowhere and are now greater ministry. While um, the two Chancellor ministries um, the, of the servants of the Exarch of Matter are um, Mammon, who want to distract the human population by making them focus on their toys, like. Uh, Never mind the third will have a flat screen. And <laughs> um, Pantechnicon, who are the ones that um, uh, work on the basis of trying to make um, society reliant on technology, which, mm-hmm. they then, which they then control. So not just um, addicting people to, um, uh, to new technologies, but also making sure that almost nobody has the ability to do it. So... Um, I think um, uh, the rise in um, uh, 
the the rise in machines that you cannot program yourself. Um, uh, Apple products are very pantechnicon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, and I say that as as an iPad owner here. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, yeah um, EULAs um, programs that you. Um, uh, uh, anything where you uh, you buy a license to use a program, you don't buy the pro. Uh, you buy the a license to a license to be allowed to use something. You don't buy the actual thing. Um, it's all very pantechnicon and uh, the free council. Technical must love malware then, and all it. that type of stuff. No, they must like it because it forces people to want to buy. You know, it makes people fear stuff, fear technology not working. It makes them yeah. buy licenses for stuff that they really don't need if they paid attention to what the hell they were doing. Like, don't click the link to the porn. Um, essentially, what you said about the um, the the technocracy's reaction to the rise of um, the rise of religious extremism, because it really shows how different the technocracy is to the Seers of the Throne. Because the the, the Seers of the Throne, Seers have, of the Throne, love it, love it, because you've got the paternoster. Yeah. yeah, you've got the um who who are just like yeah we want religious re- extremism because we want all the religions that are that venerate their own thing and are attached to it but hate everything else rather than all binding together into this one thing which is that you can be greater than what you are and yeah for the technocracy I think religious extremism is possibly the the um I, I you could almost say it could be the paradox to them. Almost, almost winning on the technology. The paradox that is the religious extremism. Yeah, um, that kind of thing. Um, it depends on which edition of Ascension you're talking about, and uh, yeah. which, which book you're talking about. Um, because, uh, because you know, uh, Ascension books are all written from the perspective of the subject. Um, mm. But um, whether it's the um, who's responsible for uh, mega churches—is it syndicate or is it celestial chorus, or, or is it neither of them? And, is uh, it Nefanti? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> cool. Yeah. These are open questions for your storytellers to answer. One weird thing with Ascension that I remember is that the. Uh... By the the modern times, the uh, Ali Batini, mm-hmm. uh, the the Muslim mages, basically, there's not really any of them. There's just a couple hanging around in small pockets in the Middle East, kind of hiding out. Uh, they're no longer a major tradition, but uh, Islam is like the fastest growing religion overall. It's always been just struck me as very strange, um, an odd choice by the writers. Depends what studies you do as well. Um, if you, I think I read something that um, you know, kind of like paganism and and, and Wicca and that kind of thing, and earth-centered religions are also some of the fastest growing, like the UK and Europe. So hmm. it's um, it's all this reaction to you know, again, it's like it's all reactionary to the world around you. So weren't yeah. there a tiny kind of minor in terms of Islamic um, sects, I thought the Batani were um, they, they there was one the Sunni or Shiite. They they were uh, 
they, you know, uh, most modern most modern Muslims would look at them kind of would look at Batani um, beliefs kind of strangely. Yeah, I think Batani are actually closer to uh, Zoroastrianism, aren't they not? With um... no, that's the Taftani. Oh, that's yes. Taftani. Is it? okay? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's the Taftani who the last time we saw the Taftani in the mid century, which gives you an idea of how long ago it's been, were um, busily. Um, Engaged with the uh, Taliban because they were based largely in Afghanistan. Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, uh, Jesus Christ! May just got some major ground to cover since um, since it was last out. Wow! Um, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst we all think ponder on yeah. that, what a hard yeah. job the guys have got. Let's uh, let's move on. Sure thing. So, uh, keeping on the uh, mage track, Dave, you, you bravely agreed to answer this uh, with your copy of Guide to the Traditions. Um, Paul asks us uh, how to effectively play a multi-tradition mage, and in particular the effect it could have on Paradigm. Okay, uh, by um, Paul, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, we weren't entirely sure. We have assumed that you've been talking about the... Um, the factions in Guide to the Traditions that are members of more than one tradition. So um, people like the um, the Order of Saint Albertus, who are the who are members of both the Order of Hermes and the Celestial Chorus. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I actually had a player in a multi-tradition group. Back in the day, he was a member of the um, the traditions faction called the Linguists, who are a um, hermetic virtual adept group. And uh, yeah, it's really it's really like playing any other tradition mage. Really, um, I mean, a a House Fortunae hermetic is going to have a slightly different paradigm to a a um, House Bonasagius one, or indeed a, a House Thig one, will have a greatly different um, paradigm to them. And, um, yeah, um, being a linguist just means that you uh, you have another paradigm, which then, politically, in the game, it means that you don't quite fit into one of the nine traditions. So... Mm. For me, it's not really an effect that it has on your paradigm. It's more a way that it, the the big effect is how you then fit into mage society because you don't fit, you don't meet one of the boxes that were designed back in the Renaissance, and um, so you're uh, you're perpetually in two camps and very old traditional traditional masters. Um, would uh, treat you with a combination of curiosity and disdain, depending on the uh, depending on the master. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, I think they're really I think they're really cool. Um, they've um, they were one of the more interesting parts of Ascension's back of Ascension setting. Um, and they're a uh, they're a consequence of the way that uh, hundreds of small 
mage factions were hammered into nine big groups, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know the the fallout of that. Somebody just has to be the round peg. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that covers that quite well. Yeah. Um, Mike, we have quite a few questions from our uh, our competition winner, Martin. Indeed. Yeah. Where do we want to start? <laughs> well, let's let's keep on mage for just a little bit longer with this one question. So, uh, yeah, Martin asks, uh, and by the way, Martin is uh, uh, hopefully if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Ephraim, Ephraim, on the uh, White Wolf forums. So, if you see that username, you know who it is. Okay. And he asks, um, do you think that we will see a player's guide for Mage the Awakening? And is there some way that we can coerce you to write it? It's called Tome of the Mysteries, and you can hmm. get it for drive through RPG. But, um... No, no, actually, that, 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 that's pretty much it. The reason that Mage didn't get a, a book like The Blood and the Rage, which were the, um, the equivalents for Vampire and uh, Werewolf, mm-hmm. was that, um... You know, uh, Tome of the Mysteries is kind of it. That's, um... It, it that covers most of what we would what we would have put in a player's guide. It's got the bit in it about how your what your powers feel like to use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's got the um, uh, the fiddly bits like the um, uh, the embodied ropes and uh, tattoo magic and uh, awakening alchemy and things in them. It's got the uh, the taster for art mages, um, the taster for um, abyssal magic. Uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, that that really is the player's guide. Um, like I say, um, everybody who's been working on the Chronicle books, the Publishing Chronicles, and uh, the Strict Chronicles, as it's currently called, we all like to do Forsaken, Mage, and who knows what else um, Chronicle mm. books. It just depends on how well um, God Machine and Strix do. But I would be there like a shot. Cool. They won't have to coerce me to write it. Um, <laughs> they, they they never have to coerce me to write an awakening book. In fact, they're normally my idea nowadays. Um, yeah, I, I would. I would totally. Um, I write anything Rich asked me to if it was for the blue books. Um, I think that answers that one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Martin also was asking about the uh, God Machine Chronicles. And Dave, right before the show, he revealed that while um, David Hill has been kind of the face talking about uh, merits and flaws and yeah. those kind of rewrites on the White Wolf forums, uh, both you and Stu Wilson are writing part of the God Machine Chronicles and reworking some cool stuff. Lots of people are writing the God Machine Chronicles. It's, it's actually got a very large team on it. However... David, Stu, and I have been the uh, the three people doing the. Um, you've read the blurb for the God Machine Chronicles, right? I think I've got. Okay, right. So yeah, here we go. The God Machine Chronicle combines both setting and rules info to create a default chronicle for the world of darkness that still allows the sandbox play that the WOD is known for. The Chronicle focuses on the legends of the God Machine that first captivated readers' interest in the Wad core book and presents a world darkened by its presence. 
the general history and specific rules changes in this chronicle set the stage for the release of Demon the in August. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, um, there's, uh, in the book, there are the rules updates for the New World of Darmus are included in the in the Godwishing Chronicles. The um, the tweaks to the to the game engine that uh, after eight years um, have uh, become apparent. So it's a it's a chance to um, even if people don't use the actual chronicle of the God Machine Chronicles, it's a chance to update the rules for the World of Darkness. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Strix Chronicles is going to do the same thing for Vampire. But um, I mean, we've had um, playtest threads uh, in the White Wolf forums um, previewing um, early versions of some of the changes. Um, I think uh, Russell Bailey was kicking around some of the ideas for the physical disciplines of Vampire, which, um, in order to make that playtest effective, um, he uh, had to reveal what some of the changes to the combat rules of God Machine are going to be. Uh. And um, you can go find out if you like. And um, uh, my learned ill colleague, um, David Hill, was asking what merits people liked or did not like or would want to see included and uh, yeah there there are a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of updates coming I think David Hill did actually put on I believe David Hill put an idea an early version of um, social rules up as well Okay, maybe. Um, yeah, uh, none of my parts have been. Um, none of my parts have been spoiled. None of my parts have had to be spoiled, so um, they. Uh, uh, so they haven't been. Oh uh, well, kind of. Um, <sighs> part of part of the uh, of the rules updates is that uh, actually, yeah, this bit has come out. Part of the rules updates is that. Um, spirit rules are going into it, and okay. getting a, a, an update for the first time since they were originally brought in in uh, Werewolf, and um, so uh, yeah, ghosts are going to use the the spirit rules um, with minor okay. changes for uh, for the differences in them, but um, there are. Uh, uh, there, uh, I can't really talk about most of the changes to the spirit rules because they rely on other things that are still secret as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's all a, a big thing about um, you know there are um, there are changes to lots of things, lots and lots of things. Uh, your nine attributes and your skills will probably will remain the same. Many many things are getting um, uh, are getting rules updates. It, it's really quite exciting to see. I mean, I've converted uh, my Mage Chronicle over to it already um, as part of the playtesting, and um, 
yeah, my my players really love it. So I uh, I hope that people. Awesome. I was going to just ask, like, so you already you said you've already converted over. Um, yeah. Do you do you think just just to, I don't know this is maybe a reassuring thing for people to know. Um, did did you need to rejig? the character sheets to account for the new rules updates much like just to make the characters still do what they're still capable of doing is it is it that big a change or is it just really uh, how di- how difficult is it to go from here's world of darkness here's world of darkness god machine do character sheets need to be messed around with a little or a lot to make a make a character still play as they did play I guess that's really hard to say when you haven't even got the rules out yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, merits. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, seeing what the new merits are, um, seeing, so, um, uh, seeing merits where, where your character's merit might have changed rules or gone, and then yeah. seeing um, what the new merits that you would have bought if you'd known about them are. That kind of exactly. Okay. Um, no, that, well, that's... A, that's so, that's... Uh, yeah, uh, it uh, it didn't it honestly didn't take me very long. It didn't take my group very long at all. It was mostly just running down the merit the uh, list of uh, new merits and going, yeah, I should have that. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> all right, <laughs> thanks. That's good to know. <laughs> awesome. And then uh, Martin gives us one final question, and that is, Dave, if you could create your own video game, what would it be about? I have no idea. I really don't. <laughs> um, well, no, 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 um, no idea, no clue. Sorry, I've completely gone. I've uh, completely blanked on that one. I read. Sorry, Martin. I read your question an hour ago and promised to have a good think about it, but no, it's gone. <laughs> um, no. Okay. Well, how how would you do a Mage: The Awakening game? I don't think it would work. I don't think it would work as a mm. computer game. I'd uh, as a video game. I, I'd be up. I'd be up for it, but uh, I don't think it would work particularly well. Uh, yeah. Um, I'd. Uh, I I think in terms of video games, the uh, the for um, uh, for Onyx Path, the World of Darkness MMO is really. Going to cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, maybe Heart of Guy will come out. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't think so. Heart of Guy will come out. <laughs> no, uh, I'm not really a. Uh, I, I play video games not as much as I would like, but I, I do. Uh, I do play them, but I'm really not um, that way inclined creatively. I would probably have more obscurity if I was, but um, it's uh, it's never really been any that I've really sat down and had a good think about. Yeah, I think Mage the Awakening will be. I think when when CCP reaches that point, that will be interesting how they they deal with that one, um, because. Well, Mage is just open to doing everything, so I don't know how you would even begin to accommodate half of it in uh, in a uh, an MMO. Um, but we shall see. Someone might think of something very clever. Um, yeah. 
Who knows? I'm sure they have these things in hand. If indeed mages make it to the MMO. Yeah. You know, the uh, innumerable problems with them, which everybody knows, um, might mean that they can't be converted. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so that wraps up uh, all the listener questions. Do we have anything else to discuss before uh, we move on to the closing? <laughs> Not that I can think of. I think we've covered quite a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Hey, guys, I got Orpheus. Ah. Cool. Good for you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Find some players <laughs> that don't know the plot and run it for them. All right. I'll see if I can do that. I don't think it wasn't really... I don't think it was widely played. Morpheus, because um, I mean it came out in like 2003, just before the uh, end of the world of darkness. So, end of the old world, I should say. So I'm not sure if too many people played it or picked it up. Um, I've played it a little. It was kind of our go-to game for when our normal chronicle wasn't running. So when we had an off night with people being missing, uh, because of course it's uh, it's self-contained. So you've already got uh, missions available to run. Right. So you're kind of running it like a Shadowrun game, that kind of kind of setup? Yeah, kind of a more one-shot kind of approach, but still That's strung cool. them together. That's um, really cool. I like that. Totally digging that. Yeah, I've always really struggled with uh, coming up with the one-shots in the World of Darkness, because it, it's such a, uh, such a spanning, you know, long-winded story uh, kind of game. Um, I've always found that... Uh, one shots were were a little tough, uh, especially with a vampire. Oh yeah, I think I think with vampire one shots are, are really difficult, um, and I would say for really quite a few of them. I think the nice thing about New World of Darkness is the default World of Darkness as immortals, and mm-hmm. even Hunter really are just great for one shots. I mean, you can just pull any idea from any horror movie or slasher film or or any of the secret frequency crap we cover and you know you just go there's a story mm. run it good stuff good stuff all right cool uh dave do you have any upcoming projects you'd like to promote other than the ones that you've already mentioned here uh i think we've covered my output for uh yeah, we, we've talked about everything that I've worked on for the last year now. Um, so really, no, I haven't had time to do anything else. Or sleep. <laughs> ah, sleep. <laughs> um, so, uh, no. Um, the uh, the only, uh, only things I have to um, ask people to buy are Left Hand Path and the God Machine Anthology. Buy and review. Hmm. Buy and review. Review it on drive through. It does help, I'm told. Certainly does. And thank you for your review. Yeah, it was it's great. I, I really like Left Hand Path. I think everyone should buy it. Everyone should buy Blood Sorcery. Um Yeah, well, everyone that's playing vampire should buy Blood Sorcery anyway. Um, as soon as everyone can buy Mummy, you should definitely buy Mummy. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yes. All right, Dave, uh, do you have a website or a place, a Twitter account, somewhere that people can uh, get in contact with you if they have any questions about the stuff you've done? Uh, I have a Twitter account. I have a website that is almost never updated. Um, my email is... Uh, my um, 
my forum accounts on RPGNet and the White Wolf forums are really easy to find. Um, if anybody has any questions, then um, you know, they uh, they can direct them to me there because uh, I do read them and um, uh, I try to respond to them. So, yeah, um, better that than um, send a message to the uh, to the blog website that I haven't updated since August. Cool, good stuff. And if anyone wants to uh, get in contact with uh, Darker Days Radio, you can check out our Facebook page, of course, uh, facebook.com slash darkerdaysradio, or you can send us an email over at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com, and uh, be sure to give us some cool feedback, uh, because we're definitely going to be giving out some PDF copies in the near future of uh, something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Chris, anything else that we uh, need to pimp? Um, I I can't think of. Um, I'm gonna do a shout out for another podcast that I just started listening to because it's quite great. Um, Ken and Robin talk about stuff because yes, yes. I really like their consulting occultist section that they they just have that and various other parts and um, you know they've written on stuff like uh, Trail of Cthulhu and. Knights Black Agents. So again, they've you know they've worked on games which have similar thematic elements to World of Darkness. So, and it's a you know it's a proper information rich podcast, um, and so worth listening to. All right, cool. And of course, we have our preposterous page, which has a uh, plethora of good stuff, live discussion. We we finally have been talking about the World of Darkness instead of Games Workshop <laughs> <laughs> or Iron Kingdom or something. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, also, you know, my post, my gaming posturus. I think no, I cross post that to the to the Darker Days one. So I've got my actual play notes from Vampire mm-hmm. that go up every so often. So yep. I've got something to write up for that one already. I'm well behind on writing up sessions. Um, yeah, I think that covers it. Outstanding. All right, Dave, I'd really like to thank you for uh, being able to make it. Really appreciate the uh, excellent interview and uh, all the good information about what you've been doing lately. Not a problem. It's been excellent to talk to you about all of that goodness. Um, I think that's the end of the show. (laughs) Indeed. All right, everyone. Good night. Good night. I think I can summon up um, the advertising blurb so that I can uh, remind myself what I'm allowed to actually say. Feel free to cut this bit or put some spooky music over it. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of spooky music, Mike, I like the new, um, the one that you used, that new one. Was it that Malleus gave us? Yeah, yeah, it's really wicked. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to use that regularly. It's just going to be for like the special bonus secret frequencies. Uh, Unless you really want to switch, which we could do. I kind of like it more. Or you can always keep it for New Year. Yeah, yeah. Maybe next season.